You know, in our life, we have so many issues, so many issues. I'm thinking of a, a couple that I've had serving you as minister when I couldn't tell the difference between a coconut and a pineapple. I mean, that was a bad day. And I've lived with that ever since, ever since. Ever since 1906, I've had to live with that. And y'all stood in there with me through all, and some of y'all have been here the whole time. So don't just think I'm the only old person here. If you've been here with me since 1906, you have been here a while. What brings people together, and it can be a football team and a basketball team, it can be family members, it, it can be anybody, a body, B-O-D-Y, like Congress, or like uh, churches, is when they weather the storms together, and they pull together, and they forget about the division, but people think about what do we have in common? You've seen it, and I've seen it, like a disaster hits uh, the, the coast, the Gulf Coast, and Hurricane Harvey hits, and everybody comes together. Thousands of individuals come from other parts of the country where they're standing high and dry, but they're taking supplies down there. They're taking their hammers. They're taking nails. They're taking sheetrock. They're pulling together. And no longer under those situations are we Republicans or are we Democrats. It pulls us together. Now sometimes, yes, a blow-up can mean different groups. We've seen it time after time. Churches have a blow-up, and then there's two churches instead of one. Instead of the people coming together and talking sensibly to each other, they stick by their guns and go separate ways. The individual that was most responsible for me coming here originally in 1906, he, he told me, of an intersection, he didn't tell me where, there's a, a rural intersection. And on one corner, you'd have a certain church. And then on the opposite corner, another one of the same denomination. And that happened over an organ. Some wanted a new organ, some didn't. So they split up, and at that one intersection, then they have two different churches. We see that, and when that happens, something of that nature, instead of pulling together and being stronger, such as when Hoover hit, Harvey too, Harvey and Hoover. <laughs> Some of you remember President Harvey, and he had a rough time. <laughs> and he had a real rough time. He didn't get to see Hoover, though. <laughs> Well, I'm glad y'all read your history books. <laughs> but we have those issues in homes. We have them as grandparents, our concern for grandchildren, parents, our concern for our children, relationships that are tough, and trying to make sure that, hey, we hold this thing together because together we're stronger. There is a glue that Christians all have, and that's the power of the Word. That is the faith in Jesus Christ and knowing that He is always with us. 
no matter what the storm is, those of us that believe in Jesus Christ, He is going to be there. He is going to be there. I have a Bible that it, it is marked with healing scriptures. This, this was a gift given to me. And any place I turn in that Bible, there is scriptures regarding the healing power of God. I mean, and I mean, I don't even know how many tabs are in this Bible. And there are others also that are not in there, but there are so many tabs in there where it states that God is going to be with us no matter what the situation, no matter what the storm is. In the book of Matthew, the 8th chapter, the 5th verse, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Now this is something that just didn't happen. The Roman soldiers coming to a Jew and asking for help. That just was not uh, kosher. It was not allowed. It was a big taboo uh, to have that kind of conversation. And this centurion had seen Jesus. He had heard of His miracles. And he came to Jesus and he said, Lord, once again, a Roman calling a Jew, Lord. They thought they were Lord. This centurion said, Lord, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. And Jesus said, shall I come and heal him? Once again, this was not done. A Jew did not go into the house, a home of a Roman. But Jesus was offering to do that because anybody that reached out to Jesus was, was His child. We know that later on, the disciples were told and ministers to the Gentiles. But at this time, the Jews and the Gentiles, they did not mix. They just didn't. So Jesus asked, shall I come? And he says, no, I have many people under me. And if I tell my, my men to go, they go. If I tell them to come back, they do. Uh, if I ask them to, to stay, they stay. Uh, and you can do the same. Do this, and my servant will be healed. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. You and I have issues just as a centurion did. And he is waiting for us to reach out to him in faith. Knowing in our hearts that he will take care of it. Without any doubts, he will take care of it. He's asking us to surrender to Him. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go, let it be done, just as you have believed it would. His faith. His faith was what healed that servant. Because he had the faith to ask Jesus Christ. He had the faith to reach out to Jesus Christ. Instead of letting the servant lay there, his beloved servant, someone that he had known and had worked with him for years, instead of 
just letting him pass away, he swallowed his pride and he went to this Hebrew and asked for help. In the 6th chapter of Mark, the 45th verse, this is right after, in this, in Mark, it's right after Jesus fed the multitudes. And it goes right into this scripture following that on the 45th verse. Immediately, this is after he fed the multitude, immediately Jesus made his disciple to get into the boat and go ahead of him while he dismissed the crowd. He made them leave him. Leave me here. You take the boat and I'll see you later. He made them. Later that night, well, before I go into later that night, Jesus went away in solitude to have prayer. I hope we all realize there is something very special in getting off by yourself and having your prayer. And those of you that work in the country or those of you that feel like taking a drive in the country, you know, there is something sacred about being out there with God. This is His cathedral, every bit of it is. The stars, the moon, the clouds, the rain. This is His. And when we're out there praying to Him, there's something that is so healing about it that even Jesus Christ, God's Son, went off by Himself to get away from the multitudes, to get away from people pulling on Him. He went off by Himself to pray. To pray to His Father. To pray. Later that night, the boat that the disciples was in was in the middle of the lake. And Jesus uh, was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining in the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, He went out to them walking on the lake. They cried out because they saw Him and were terrified. Immediately He spoke to them and said, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Now this, this is the message He's telling you and me today. It's not just the message He left with the disciples. These are the letters in red that apply to us today. Do not be afraid. I am with you. I am with you all the way. It might be next to your, your bed. It may be out in the country. It could be when you're trying to borrow money. It could be any given time. But He's going to be there with you when you call on Him. When you call on Him. I've shared this with you before, but if your memory is as short as mine, you won't remember it, so that's okay. I was pursuing the largest account I ever was able to get as an insurance person. And I remember sitting in the parking lot and praying and praying before I went into that meeting. I never had a meeting go so smoothly in all my life. And I found that to be true 
from that point on. That if I would pray before going into something of that nature, then it would go much smoother. The disciples are out on the lake. I felt like I was in a hurricane. And I needed help. I'm going into an account that is so much larger than anything I've ever written in my life. It just had me in a cold sweat. But it was no big deal for God. You know, it was a breeze for Him. No pun intended. Did y'all catch that? Breeze, the disciples on the lake. Come on, work with me here. But Jesus Christ is there through the storms that you're facing. Through the storms your family's facing. You may not see it today as the disciples did, but there will be a time that you will be able to say He was with me every step of the way. Every step of the way. That He was the one that was carrying you. Once you got your ego out of the way, once we got that pride out of the way, once we would humble ourselves to go to the Lord, miracles will happen. They're not open, folks. They're not over either. They're not open and they're not over either. They're not over. He's still doing miracles this very day. This very day. This very moment. There are miracles that are taking place because people believe in Jesus Christ. In Luke, the 7th chapter, the 12th verse. Now this is when Jesus was going into a city. And he has, as He approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out. The only son of His mother and she was a widow. How do they know this? It doesn't say this in the Bible. How do they know this? I got thinking about that last night. Maybe because this one lady that was in such grief did not have somebody of comparable age with her. Somebody that she was walking with. And also that there wasn't a young man like another son. There was no one but friends around her. Jesus, He knew that this was her only one. Her only son. She did not ask for any miracles. But if you want to know somebody with a tender heart, it's Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ. When the Lord Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, don't cry. Then he said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk. Jesus gave him back to his mother. Jesus Christ does Heal the dead. The dead in the spirit, the doubter. Yesterday as I checked out of 
dollar store, a lady asked me if I would please pray for her sister. Her sister is an atheist. Her sister's son is an atheist. The son is in the hospital and not expected to live, but the sister is calling the Christian sister in Quanah, Texas, asking for prayers. She knew there was no one for an atheist to turn to. So she was asking her Christian sister to pray. And the lady in Quanah was saying, you know, there's very little chance that he can make it. And I said, don't underestimate the miracles of God. For when something like that happens, and it happens frequently, when the doctor says there's no hope, that miracles happen. And those of us that are Christians, we know who the real doctor was. We know that there's nothing impossible for him. And those that are on the fence start saying, well, maybe there's something to this. Because they see the miracles in happening. Because he's still doing those same miracles today. They didn't stop when Jesus asked this man to sit up. It didn't stop them. My buddy Jerry Gunkel has been in the Oklahoma City Hospital and his daughter and his wife both said, we're prepared for whatever is going to happen. It looked like, and those of you that know Jerry know he's been in and out of the hospital in the last year so many times. Uh, I think he said 18 times. And it looked like he might not get out. But this morning we had prayer together and he is in Altus, Oklahoma in rehab. And he's talking as plain as you and I are. Miracles still happen. He has a brother that had leukemia. Jerry gave six times he tried to have a bone transfer, bone marrow transfer to his brother. It never took. It never took. But his sister gave one contribution and he is living as healthy as anybody you know today because of that. What if they had given up? What if they had quit? Paul says, I am going to finish the race. You and I are called to finish the race in whatever way we can. You're in a different place in life than I am. I'm in a different place in life today than I will be a week from now. But we are called no matter where we are to finish the race. To give it our all. The Word even tells us to give it our all. Give all we have because all we have was given to us as a gift from Him. So give it all that we have until we finish the race. And your responsibility and mine as Christian is to be strong and to be a witness for those that don't know Jesus Christ. So they can say, how can you be so strong? And you have the opportunity to say, let me tell you about my Jesus. Let me tell you about Jesus Christ that has already died for my sins. You're called to do that. 
to finish the race. You've got your own special ministry. Everyone, everyone has a different ministry. And yours is special. Yours is unique. But remember, remember, there's nothing too great for our Lord. Just as He told Abraham and Sarah, is there anything too great for me? There is not. Do not lose hope. Do not lose faith. Know that in the worst times, that is an opportune time for Jesus Christ to show His strength and His miracles. Because you've surrendered, but He hasn't. He never quit. So he doesn't give up on you. So don't give up on him. Dear Heavenly Father, we surrender to you. Your word is powerful. Your word is the roadmap of our life. Let us seek you. Let us seek you in your word. And as we do, we know you in a special way, in a new way. We know that if we spend a lot of time with anybody here on earth, we get to know them really well. Well, let us know that the more time we spend with you, the more we'll know you, and we will be aware of your miracles. And know there is nothing too great for our God. For we pray this in your name, Lord. Amen.